Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, be awesome listeners. This is episode 71. And before we get started, I got to tell you, I got to I got to give a shout out to uh, Jeff Bishop at Hingham Graphics. I have been driving this guy crazy for the last two months trying to find uh, good, good new materials and, and fabrics for my uh, Be Awesome gear. I just picked up a, another, another option here. We're working hard. And uh, when I say we, Jeff, Jeff has been working hard behind the scenes. If you guys have any sign, shirt, promotional item, any sort of needs, I strongly suggest you're, you look up Hingham Graphics and Jeff Bishop. The guy is uh, lights out fantastic. So that's my uh, that's my plug for the day because I just raced over to grab a shirt. So uh, before I could make sure I was on time for this next podcast, this is a past guest, uh, Paul Anastasi. He was one of the first guests. This is the guy, for those of you that didn't listen to it, go back and listen to the first episode. It's a great one. Um, Paul is a longtime friend of almost 20 years of mine. He was a uh, he, he was he is a client uh, for my day job at Dude Solutions, and he also happened to save my life at one point in time because I ate a piece of prime rib the size of a Volkswagen and thought I could get it down my uh, my throat. But uh, Paul's doing something else right now. He's 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 potentially preparing to save lives, COVID cleaning school districts, and uh, he's he, he is as we shared last year on the podcast. Um, actually that was 2018 when we did the yeah. first podcast, almost two years ago. Um, Paul had retired and I told him it wasn't going to last long and I was right. Now he's back in the school district and he's working hard and we're going to talk about, we're going to be doing some education focused, uh, podcasts cause I got a lot of feedback that folks want know that I've been in the education space for some time and I've got a lot of contact. So we're going to do some, some education focused uh, podcasts and uh, this I'm, I'm honored to make this the first one with my friend Paul and Paul by the way uh, for those of you that are watching the video that is not a background screen Paul correct that is not that is the real thing <laughs> <laughs> and that is not a school so where in the world are you I am here in the Catskill Mountains in New York flying my Red Sox flag as you can see mm-hmm. and flying it proud in the state of New York I'm guessing you don't have too many neighbors uh, I do. We have a few, but they're far away and you can't, they can't see the flag for the trees <laughs> and I can't see the Yankees flag. So it works yeah. out for everybody. Yeah. Well, <laughs> first and foremost, welcome. And thank you for coming back, uh, for another episode. This is going to be a little bit of a different one. So, uh, just where are you? What are you doing right now? Where you been? What's new? Well, a- as you mentioned, um, I call it my failed retirement because I've actually failed miserably in retirement. Um, I, I actually was retired for maybe six or seven weeks, um, got through the honeydew list. And then I said, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, all those things that you say you're going to do when you retire, they just like, I, I cleaned them all up. I, I got plenty more to do, but it's, there, there's too much to do in, in schools and other communities. So I'm, I'm out as a consultant. I'm consulting for um, school departments, acting as an interim facilities director when needed, um, doing some job coaching with facilities directors, uh, actually um, starting up a, a facilities department in one community uh, on the town side where they don't have anyone doing their town facilities. Um, so I'm keeping myself busy in the facilities world in the public sector right now. Yeah. So my history is 16 years with Dude Solutions, which worked with 
men and women like you, which are maintenance and operations, very simply put, the people that fix things that go that get broken and the people that keep our, our buildings clean, healthy, and safe. That's a pretty easy, fair assessment elevator pitch to explain what, you, what, what it is that you do. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I, I've loved for the last 16 years, and we, we, we quote it, at dude, is you're the unsung heroes of the schools. And that's, you do, 99% of your work is done behind a curtain. If the lights go on and off and the heat stays on or the air conditioning stays on and it looks clean, you've done your job, but nobody knows who does it, right? right. Um, but you have a lot of work. I mean, you have, a, and as a leader, you have a ton of work because you have a staff that, you know, a certain percentage is going to call in every day, but the, the workload still stays. You have to do, you know, proper staffing levels because those buildings still need to be taken care of regardless of the scenario or the situation pre-COVID. Absolutely. Now we're during COVID. Yep. So, so what I want to do and share with the audience is a couple of things. One, what was life like March 12th or 13th and how fast and how much did you have to change by March 20th? Because March 13th was like when we stopped the, the international travel, there was the talking of schools, you know, schools were getting ready to close. The last, I think, day people could go to school, I think was March 16th. And then we had to go into this mode. So let's talk about the day or two before we knew this, what you were doing, what you were feeling, and then the week or two weeks after that. Because I think for me, I would have been like, I, I don't even know what I would have done, to be honest with you. So I want to get your perspective on that. Well, we, we were doing our, our regular cleaning, um, which, you know, we, we clean up the schools. The majority of our cleanings done at night, like most people know, after the school is closed for education. Um, and open for everything else <laughs> in the afternoons. The, the buildings are, are used quite a bit. But, um, you know, it, it's it's our typical go through, empty the trash, clean the floors, dust those windowsills, you know, wipe things down. Um, we're all using microfiber now and the, and the latest in, in technology and, and, and chemicals and, and cleaning for health and safety has been, it's been a buzzword for probably the past 10 years in the industry. Um, and, and we're really, we're, we're doing a top notch job now with it. The, the vendors that are out there, the suppliers really have, um, a plethora of, of tools and chemicals to use. So we, we were going about our regular cleaning and then, you know, word started coming down. Here it comes. It was, it was almost like watching a snowstorm mm -hmm. if, I, if I had to explain it. And we prepared for a snow day. Uh, it, that's the only way I can think about it right now. Everybody thought. Yeah, we're going to take Thursday off and Super will probably call Friday off and we'll clean the buildings and come in on the weekend, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll be back to business as usual. How bad can this be? Right. Look, look at all those people uh, uh, on, right. on the other side of the, uh, the world. They're all wearing masks and everything. Everybody's overreacting. It, it's just like influenza. Mm -hmm. oh, boy, was that wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because we shut down and everyone knows now we shut down huge. The whole state, everybody shut down. But in the schools, we continued to clean. We had to make the buildings clean. We weren't sure if and when students would be coming back or when teachers had to come back. I mean, poor teachers had to scramble into this distance learning, um, you know, on a day's notice. 
Mm -hmm. We let them back in the building and we followed them around with custodians and disinfectant and rags and clean behind them as they come in. Um, and then as it went on into the second week, you know, we, we made plans to get them back to do, to get more materials out to people because we were finding in the community that I'm working in that not everyone had internet access. Not everyone had a laptop. So we had to hand out Chromebooks to, to many of the, of the students and the families. Um, so we scrambled into setting up curbside pickups for, um, for, for laptops and Chromebooks so people could continue to learn at home. Still letting teachers in the building minimally and separating them mm -hmm. as they come in, setting times and schedules and following everyone that came to the building with a custodian and someone to clean. Um, and then kind of after that, it moved into, there was this lull period where we had one person, one custodian in each building every day mm -hmm. or just to babysit the building to make sure there were no leaks and heat was on at the time. We still had heat on, make sure the boilers were running. We had no freeze ups and, and just babysit the building. And, you know, we, we would rotate through our staff. The rest of them would stay home. Um, and then we got to the point where we got the, you know, it's okay to go back to work for the essential personnel in, in our industry. Mm -hmm. um, so we brought all them back. But even with that, we had to, uh, I sep separated them by shifts. I put two together on a shift and separated them so that they weren't even together. And that's mm -hmm. the way we've been working since uh, sometime in May. Uh, I don't remember the dates, but um and, and continuing to clean, getting now that we know school, what, when, as soon as we knew school wasn't coming back, we immediately went into summer mode. Mm -hmm. um, and then we realized we have buildings full of lockers and cubbies with all the students' personal belongings. So, you know, step number one is we needed to bag them, tag them with a name or a locker number, and return them to the students. So we, had a, we set up curbside delivery for locker contents. And then we had to get teachers back in the room so they could prepare their room for the summer. Mm -hmm. All this working in the guidelines of the Massachusetts state COVID guidelines of number of people and, and keeping a separation and, and who, can be, who can come together and wearing a mask and wearing gloves and all the things that um, typically a custodian will wear gloves, but um, it gets pretty warm in there and pretty tight when you're wearing a mask and gloves and it can get a little claustrophobic, but we, we had to go through all of this learning process of how to work different, but still do the same thing in the end. We're still cleaning. We're still washing. We're, we're washing floors. We're disinfecting. We, we just did more of it. And, mm -hmm. and we did it multiple times in a day where before we do it once a day, we, we cleaned every classroom. We cleaned everything once a day, but we didn't touch every doorknob. We didn't touch every cabinet handle in the office. We didn't, touch every push bar, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and every, every door there, there's some doors in the building, you know, high school's so big that people don't get to some doors. They, they're, they use as emergency exits only. So those were areas that weren't tended to daily mm -hmm. classrooms every day, yeah. but touch points became, you know, the, the new word, the new, the new buzzword, but we were doing a lot of that previous cause we were, we, like I said, for about 10 years, we've been cleaning for health. It was, it was the buzzword back then yeah and everything's a touch point now yeah everything's a touch point <clears throat> every single thing is a touch point um one of the things you know when you talk about this stuff is 
Um, I don't think people understand the magnitude of additional resources, not just in equipment and chemical and everything else, but the additional resources and stress that's going to put on your staff. Most likely the need for more staff for this to be effective, right? Because I'm, I'm hearing all sorts of stuff and I'm sure you're hearing all sorts of things. And I don't know where one focus or responsibility ends and another one begins. But I mean, we're talking every single school bus is effectively going to be needed to be sanitized, sterilized, and cleaned once the kids are dropped off um, at school. And then once again, after they're dropped off at home, who's going to, you know, handle that? There's probably going to be, you know, more cleaning than once a day. Um, I know that some schools are talking about, you know, cleaning a space multiple times a day, like, like staggering class available, like keeping a classroom or, you know, moving classrooms around. So there's always going to be a couple classrooms empty, you know, kids leave, you go in and clean it. And then the next period comes in, you know, after you guys do that, I mean, you're I'm sure you're hearing a ton of stuff. Um, what kind of, what kind of additional workload and, and like, what, what do you, what do you, I mean, this is obviously not, you, everybody's talking about new normal. I hate new normal, right? I hate, I hate that word. If I hear, if I haven't even says, if I say it, punch me in the face. I forget what the old normal was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were we ever normal? Well, like, yeah, what, what's normal? Yeah, there's no normal. Um, but I mean, what are you what are you seeing and what do you foresee for for the for the world of operations and management in schools across the board? Um, well, just this morning, um, DESE, Department of Elementary and Secondary Education for the State of Mass, put out guidelines for the future. What we think we will see in September so that we can plan. Mm-hmm. There's the governor has committed $200 million to the efforts. Um, and there's three different plans and they're giving us the leeway or giving the superintendents and the, and the school committees the leeway to choose whether you're going to go all in person, everybody back in the school, like it was, mm-hmm. or in person some days and learning from home some days or everybody learns from home. Mm-hmm. The learning from home thing, I don't think has been perfected at the K to 12 level. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe the upper levels that the kids can adapt to it a little easier. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, from the seeing, watching my grandchildren and my, my daughter, who's a teacher, uh, I'm not seeing that the educational level is where it should be mm-hmm. you know, at, at home. But the talk is we've even broken down to by the row. Mm-hmm. Because we have to keep a separation. So having an A row and a B row, A, B, A, B, A, B across the classroom. And then all the A kids come in and there's a B row between them. So that that's the separation. Mm-hmm. And we cover the B row. And then all the B kids come in and the A rows are covered with plastic. And then we clean. Mm-hmm. So A is Monday. B is Tuesday. Wednesday, the school's learning from home. Mm-hmm. A is Thursday and B is Friday. So on the Wednesday, we're doing a full disinfectant cleaning in the building. And then Saturday, Friday night and Saturday, we're doing it again to get ready for Monday. Yeah. So we're increasing our cleaning and our, and our disinfecting levels, you know, fivefold. And we, the, the schedules are all changing. I'm trying to keep my staff apart mm-hmm. so that they don't, because if one of them gets infected, I, I risk of losing a whole building. Yeah. So, you know, if I got a quarantine the whole building for two, two weeks, whole building worth of staff for two weeks. You know, where do I go to get, get that help? I can't work the other guys at, the, at that level. Cause you know, we're going to burn everybody out. Mm-hmm. So we're at, we're at a place where we have to look at staffing. Um, we haven't formalized a plan yet, 
Um, you know, the AB thing is, is just one plan that's floating around out there. It's a hybrid system of coming to school some days, staying home other days. And then the parents have to worry about, they're going back to work. Mm -hmm. What do they do on the off days when their kid's home struggling right. to learn on a computer? So right. back in the buildings, we're, we're cleaning. And, and I'm, I'm confident that we can get the cleaning and disinfecting done. There's a whole bunch, big social thing that's going to go on around it. Yeah. Um, not to go off topic, but I'm just listening to you and the ABs and all that stuff. And this is going to be a stupid question, but has anybody, has any vendor come up with or reached out to you guys like a, or a desk provider that's got a three sided plexi desk where you have a plexi wall around the front and sides of each desk. Um, yep. I got it yesterday in an email. Are you serious? Brilliant. Yep. Oh it's, my God. That's I, like, I was hoping you were going to say no. Cause I was going to like trademark patent copyright and put it out. That's like, I just did you see the bar dividers they have? Yep. That's where it came up. That's where I came up with yeah. the genius idea, of course, yeah, from they, a bar. But they, they're putting bar dividers, plexi bar dividers up, which is great because if you don't like somebody, you can just say you can't hear them. Yeah, um, where were they years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, the old study carol kind of look of three-sided yeah. desktop. I, I don't know what it would cost. It might, we might take the whole $200 million, um, yeah. to schools with that. Um, the other, here's another one for you. You can copyright this one in a NASCAR race. When the windshield's dirty, they peel off the vinyl yeah. windshield, right? Mm -hmm. So why don't we stack the desks with five or six layers of that? And every time the student leaves, they take that off with them and put it in the barrel on the way out. Yeah. So I, got I a clean surface. Yeah. I used to race dirt bikes growing up. Not, not very well, but, um, raced motocross and we used to have a, a, a our goggles used to have a pull string on the side they're called roll-offs yeah and so when you were racing if you were if you weren't in first you were getting everybody's roost and the mud would come and you'd pull the string and it would just shoot the the uh, plastic across and then you'd have a fresh screen it's a, i mean it's a great idea so um, when we're recording this if someone else copyrights that we have to get a kick right yeah yeah you'll get a kick back yeah yeah good I get a, yeah so they, for everybody that's watching if you're thinking of taking the idea, we're going to want our piece. Yeah. I mean, I'm about to make the statement that's going to sound really stupid. $200 million is not a lot of money when we're dealing no. with COVID for the state of Massachusetts. For people to understand and put into perspective, right. the average school district size um, in the country is somewhere between 2,500 and 5,000 students. Um, majority of those are, are in Massachusetts like that because we have a lot of small communities. 363, I think, is the number. Um, and... COVID management, ASBO, Association of School Business Officials, and AASA, which is the Association of School Superintendents, um, they did a study, and a school district, which my town of Easton is right in that sweet spot, a school district with eight buildings and 3,700 kids to properly manage, maintain, and provide PPE and everything else for that district for one year is roughly $1.7 million. Yeah. So we'll probably not get more than a million bucks or even remotely close out of that 200 million. If you do the math, like everybody's going to get like a half a million, probably depending on their size, they're probably going to get scaled on size. That money's not going to go very far right. um, because there's, there's a lot of work to do. And we just came out with a couple of ideas that could be, you know, life changing to make a difference that, that we're going to come up with all sorts of stuff. Never mind your signage, right? Nobody's right. got a handle on signage yet. Um, I got a sign guy coming on. Uh, hopefully in the next week or so on both my, both podcast channels to talk about that because, uh, 
first, and here's the other thing. I came up with this other epiphany yesterday. So I've been locked up for uh, the better part of 106 days or something. My beard I haven't touched. Uh, I made my last trip. I flew home March 13th. And uh, our family took a very, a very hard stance. We, we stayed home. We, we didn't care what side of what belief or whatever it was. It wasn't worth the risk. My dad's in a senior living center. We pulled him out. He's, he's back at home with my sister. Um, and over almost 50% of the people that, got, that, that were there got it and many died. Um, so we're glad we, we did that. But we saw the real side to it. I had two clients in New York that passed away from it. We've got a, a, another client who's a dear friend of mine uh, in New York that, uh, that, that he, he had it. And he's still dealing with, with the, the after effects of it. So we've stayed home and, um, and we're okay with it. And uh, we've had a lot of stuff delivered. And I went to the grocery store for like the first time in like <laughs> four months. And I hate the grocery store. I worked in a grocery store from 16 to 19. And grocery store workers, I can't say how much I appreciate you and seeing these young uh, boys and girls working the cash registers with a mask on for eight hours a day. Uh, I couldn't keep my clip-on tie on for eight hours a day. And these, they were working hard, and I really admire and appreciate them. But one of the things that I, I really appreciated out of all of this is the last probably 20, 25 years I'm going to go with, because that's as far back as I can remember, we've become a society completely consumed with ourselves and, and, and unintentionally myself included. We stand as close as we can to the baggage claim to wait for our suitcase, opposed to giving people space for them to get their own. We walk in any direction that we want. We push our carts down the left-hand side of an aisle when we should stay on the right. Like it's we're on a road, like just common sense stuff. We lost a lot of that. And I went to the grocery store yesterday and those arrows, like, do you know how much wider, do you know how much wider the bread aisle is when everybody has to walk in the same direction? Here's what I found. I couldn't see the smiles under the masks. People were happier with the experience at the grocery store yesterday because everyone was doing what they were supposed to do. They were, yes. they were, they weren't getting in people's space your personal space. You and I talk about this personal space. Personal space like getting into my, you're getting into my personal space. Right. And I love people. I love to hug people. I love to, to, to handshake. And I love, all, I love all that stuff. But I also have a personal space that I need for comfort. And what I found is all of this signage, self, I call it self-explanatory signage. When I was in junior high school, before class would start, we'd get 15, 20 minutes. And our, 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 we had two courtyards. It was like an eight. It was like a figure eight. And all, we'd all walk and strut and show off our, our new uh, Air Jordans or Reebok pumps or whatever we had for sneakers and, you know, walk around. We all walked in the same direction on one side of the hall and the same direction on the other side of the hall. And, uh, and I think that that's going to, I hope, you know, I keep talking about, we're not going to talk about the new normal. I'm going to talk about the new opportunity. And I hope that this new opportunity is going to get us to get back to the mindset of being courteous, considerate. And remembering what side of the aisle we should walk on. Back out to of, basics. We got to get back to basics. Out of respect for people, absolutely, one hundred percent. So I'm seeing a lot of great stuff that can come out of this whole thing. I know we've got a long way to go. I know that there's a lot of uncertainty, but I'm seeing a lot of a lot of good stuff. But um, you know, you, you talk about distance learning, and 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 I'm going to say this in every single episode related to education. Anyone, yourself included deserves a round of applause. And if, if you don't get it, give it to yourself at least once a day. 
when when I posed that first question, um, there was no plan. There right. was no there was no like if this then this. Who would have ever thought of this? Like who who was who was sitting around like oh this is a possibility? Like, it wasn't even talked about. I mean, I was in I was in Texas on March eighth with Greg Lookabout, and we were talking about cleaning for, for, for health and not appearance. And it was, it was kind of COVID, but it wasn't even close to COVID. We were talking about it as if the school was going to stay open while we battled COVID. Right. We exactly. Talking, That's what everybody thought. We, we weren't talking about it. Like eight days from then we're shut down for three months. Like, yeah, or a shut, shut down just to clean. It's like right. a snowstorm, three or four right. days, a bad snowstorm or a hurricane, yeah. you know, we got no power. So you're out for four days. Right. No. And, <laughs> and, and I think that we were in like this strange paralysis in our brain where we had this, like, we just, I know that I was doing it. I was, I was blocking it off in day, in day, like a number of days. Yeah. Right. Even though they said they were going to be closed through the month of, of March when March 16th hit, I was like, okay, well, something might come back. Something might come online. Something might change. Maybe they'll figure something. Like I had this, like, I was breaking it all down into like a couple of days and then April hit and I'm like, Oh shoot. They're closed till May 5th. Right. But I was like, Oh, that's not so bad. Right. And then we get to May 5th and we're like, well, I think, I our June. Yeah, I think we're, <laughs> we're going to go into a phase rollout and you guys are looking at like June before we even do phase one. Um, psychologically, like for us to think about what we've done and accomplished and been through, is nothing short of amazing and educators especially. So when we talk about like that, that it was tough to get the kids virtual learning, nobody's ever done it before. Right. And, and do virtual learning for a kid below this age of seven. It's hard to get them to pay attention when they're in front of you in a classroom to do what they need to do. Never mind at home with all of the distractions. So, you know, I've got a 13 year old that's that had to do the distance learning thing. I, um, I couldn't be more appreciative and, and, and impressed with what they were able to do in a small amount of time. Yeah. But I mean, but, you've seen, you've seen many of my presentations and I always manage to work my children into it. Yeah. But my daughter is a special ed preschool teacher who teaches a full autistic class of preschoolers. Oh my God. Well, think about just traditional preschoolers. Yeah. And now throw autism into it and let's get them in front of a computer and learn. It's yeah. like, Oh my, how do we, how do we do that? That's amazing. You know, it's That's amazing. Like, absolutely amazing. I give the, my hats off to the teachers. I give them a lot of credit that it wasn't an easy shift to make for no. us. We we continued to clean and our buildings right. were empty. Right. You know, yeah, we had to make changes, but to do what they were doing, at, from home and still have their kids at home. Right. You know, my daughter's got a four-year-old that that's home from daycare now. Yep. And she's got to teach the autistic class on mm -hmm. the computer and keep everybody's attention. Wow. So, you know, there's, there was so much to it on their end. Um, and we just kept cleaning. I, I, like I said, I kept going to work and noticing there's less and less traffic every day. <laughs> and then I'm there every day and we got to a point where, okay, I think everything's clean. Now what? Right. Um, you know, we were pulling books out of the, uh, out of the, the library individually. Yeah. Wiping down books in the school libraries. We, we took out every 
round ball in the gym storage from softball, baseball, soccer ball, kickball, volleyball. And my guys set up uh, a three-station dunking station mm -hmm. where they wet the ball in one barrel. And they took the ball. The next guy took it, and he put it in a cleaning solution. And the third mm -hmm. guy took it and put it in disinfectant and then rolled it across the floor to the fourth guy. And as it rolled, all the excess w water and moisture was rolling off. Mm -hmm. And the person at the other end put it back up on the rack. Mm -hmm. So every piece, every bat, every tennis racket, everything in that gym storage was clean and disinfected. So you just brought, you just brought a, a good a good thought for me to to uh, to kind of go into, which is um, some new best practices or interesting things. That's one of them. One of, so I'd like for you to share if there are any others that this has all brought you guys to like, hey, let's do this differently or let's this is something that we're going to have to do um but on that 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 ball disinfectant sanitize process do you envision having to do that regularly moving forward i.e either every gym class or every day like i had a conversation with someone i was talking about you behind your back uh okay. yesterday you don't worry most of it's good yeah, um good. But no, I was talking about, um, you know, the realization that there's about a million things that we haven't thought of on the impact of COVID that's going to happen until we reopen school. Right. And I think one of them is things like that. Um, if this is a situation, kids are still going to have phys ed gym class. They're still going to kick, throw, and play with basketballs, footballs, soccer balls, obviously hands, feet. Yeah are going to hit that and that's potentially going to hit someone in the face and whatever's on, it's going to, I don't even know how COVID spreads from a ball to someone's mouth or whatever. Um, but there's a high likelihood or possibility that school's going to start up and they're going to say, wait a second, time out. These balls, they need to be sterilized, sanitized and cleaned after every class. So you got to buy a whole nother set of balls, have a backup set. Like, like how far does this go? Yeah. Um, is that something you envision? And then what are some other interesting creative things that you might've done? Are there other interesting creative things that you guys are doing to, to cover all the bases? I mean, that, that one was definitely the most creative and, and I, I got to give it credit to all of my, the, my custodians in that high school building. They did it on their own. I didn't lead them into that. I just walked into it and it was happening, but I, I can see that happening on a, a, a regular frequency. Cause think about it. The a, AD buys, you know, a dozen basketballs, takes them out of the pack. They fill them with air. Who ever goes back to a basketball and cleans it? Yeah. You know, think about any sport uh, other than, you know, baseball and the MLB, they change the ball quite often and mm -hmm. golf. There's the little ball washing stations, you know, in, in the major league sports. Yeah. They're throwing them out and they're getting new ones. We don't mm -hmm. do that in the public world of, of schools, but no one's ever cleaned them. Right. No one has ever cleaned them. And with golf, they only clean them to, because it has dirt on it so that the ball flies right. further. It's not for any sort of yep. sanitized. Before you go into best practice, just came up with another invention. Yep, I'll go for it. Going to take it from bowling. And I know yep. they don't do it at bowling. But what if, we, what if we made, right, what if we made something like a bowling ball, like, conveyor? You know, you, the bowling ball goes down the pins and then the ball magically rolls up and comes through the tube. What if you have, like, a little, like, four-foot tube that you drop a ball in and it rolls through a UV light, and then it comes out the other side. Doesn't get wet, and it's ready. 
UV is the next big thing now. Oh man! Oh man! Let's how about putting it on the ball return? That's so what I'm saying. Every time the ball comes back, it it comes right through that tube. Right. That's right what I'm saying. Into the, right back into the carry. Yep. Bingo! Instantaneous. Yep. Oh, that's gold. That's it. I'm gonna put that down. That's you it. you you're gonna save this recording, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I might not release. <laughs> I might not release this till I get my all my patents done. Um. Um. Let's just see real quick. I got to do this. I got. They already have it. Ah, see that? Already got it. Ah, uh, they beat us to it. UV ball sanitizer. Uvone sanitizing station. I'm not, I don't know if I want to give these guys any credit without a sponsorship or something. something. <laughs> um, Maybe yeah. they could be your next podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, look, there's a whole bunch of people that are claiming to have. Um, Okay, I just have to. I don't even know anything about it, but this this has just got a cool name to it, the Germ Ninja Sportball Sanitizer. I don't know if it works, yeah. But Germ Ninja, I love it. Yeah. So <laughs> catchy name. Catchy yeah. Name. But uh, no, there. What what else have you come into or come across that's like, wow, I didn't know. You know, I mean, going I think, down every book. I mean, that's. Uh, yeah, you know, wiping down every book, um, and, and I think. For people that are in the industry, the vendors, you know, you, you, since this COVID hit, you get 10 or 12 emails a day from vendors. Mm-hmm. I've got the latest and greatest. I've got this. I try that. So if you have, um, you know, a good set of vendors that you're comfortable with and trusting them to give you the ideas and stuff mm-hmm. that I probably wouldn't have looked at in the past, um, short handled mops, you know, mm-hmm. who would ever thought of a three foot mop. Mm-hmm. You use it to clean the tops of the desks. Cause when you're holding a mop up at this level, oh, the yeah. desk, you don't yep. need a six foot handle. Yeah. So we, we purchased uh, microfiber mops and they've got an adjustable handle. So we can use them at six feet if we need them, but yep. you can bring them down at three feet and you don't have to swing that big mop around on the top of the thing. And, and you just drop the pads into a sanitizing solution. Mm-hmm. And you pick up another pad that they Velcro on and they, they, you just peel them off. So I, I thought that was a great, and that was, that came from one of our vendors. Who did that come from? JP? That was from JP. JP <laughs> yeah. yep, I got to tell you. Uh, yeah. Anybody. And now we can go through, you know, a classroom in no time and, and clean the tops of those desks and sanitize the top of those desks. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the, uh, anybody that's listening, that's in, in cleaning, sanitation, maintenance and operations, uh, supply needs, uh, there's two go-to guys, uh, JP Mayo at, uh, Hilliard, right? Yep. He's at Hilliard, JP Mayo at Hilliard. I known this guy for about a part of 20 years, one of the most knowledgeable, creative, uh, makes common sense, uh, real simple stuff and comes up with ideas. And then Rick Green from Lacar, those two guys I, I contact on a regular basis, um, strongly would tell you to, to get those guys. If not, make sure that your vendors will take care of you. The one thing I will say, um, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, Hey, what do you know about this? Or what do you know about that? One of the things I saw was uh, someone was selling thermal, um, I'm sure you've seen them, the, um, thermal scan stations. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's what they're called, but yeah. you basically, you walk up to it. It's like a work. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a three-sided plexi with a tabletop with a tablet on it. And you walk up and it's got some scanning ability to take a temperature of you. And it's like four grand. Um, the one thing I'll tell you is anything that comes out today, Maybe pause until at least tomorrow because stuff happens very fluid, very quick. Yep. And changes are made. We were going to have to have every entrance was going to have to have a temperature taking and multiple times a day. 
So right. all these people came out to the market real quick. And what do you say? Lo and behold, a week later, that's not a requirement. So you could have dumped a bunch of money into this stuff. So definitely do your homework. Definitely investigate into things. Not yeah. saying it's not right. But the most important thing that you touched on, like we sit here and we easy to drop JP's, JP's name. I, I, I knew it. Like when you right. say that, because yep. every time I see him, he'll say, hey, look, check this out. And I'm looking at whatever it is. And to, to many, it's just a mop, but he has a, a creative way of how do you use it. And constantly and, teaching. He's constantly, uh, constantly learning and constantly teaching a hundred percent. And, but what that is, that's a trusted go-to advisor to help you, not necessarily to sell you. And there's a lot of people in the market right now that just want to sell you. So you got to make sure yeah. you're doing your homework. You got to make sure like this thermal station company, they, they're, they're a document management company. I applaud them for making an effort and making a pivot, but it's been three months. They can't sell you on their lifelong experience of understanding everything else. Right. So make sure you're real careful. Make sure if you don't have trusted vendors that you're working with, make sure you find some because this is the time, um, you know, I have been telling people give way more than you get back always. But most importantly, you need to give more now with nothing in return, no expectation in return, because this is when people are going to remember it. And this is when the real relationships are going to be made that are lifelong and yeah. lasting. Um, you know, I, you and I have been through a lot together. We've been through swine flu, bird flu, um, uh, uh, the worst recession of all time, the, the Iraq Afghanistan war. We've gone through a lot of, a lot of stuff over the years and I think a lot of the foundation was built during tough times where we were, we were looking out for one another right. on both sides. Right. Um, and that's, that's important for people to understand right now. Don't, and, and, and snake oil salesman, uh, beware. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, got, I got a real quick story about an idea by one of my custodians that didn't go as well. Um, I'm, I'm working, I'll tell you that the town is, it's Northbridge, Mass. Yep. And their mascot is a ram, the Rams. Yeah. So in the lobby, they have this beautiful lobby when you walk in the front entrance, auditorium on one side, gymnasium on the other side, great layout. In the lobby is this big stone and this bronze ram. He's mm -hmm. probably half size. And it's like, it's the place that the kids go. They all mm -hmm. hang on the rock. They, they take their picture with the ram. Everything you see with these kids has got that ram in the background. So I go into the lobby one day. And there's the ram, and it is shining. It's glistening wet, <laughs> soaking wet. It's glistening. And it's obvious that it's not water to me because yeah. there's no puddle on the floor. And I go over, and my custodian's there, and I says, what's up with the ram? I mean, this looks like a thoroughbred horse after the Kentucky Derby, if you've ever seen the horses, how sweaty and wet they are. Yeah. I said, what's up? He said, well, the kids are all here, and, and with this flu that's coming, he said – I, I thought it might be a good idea that they say hand, hand sanitizer kills us. So I poured the bottle of hand sanitizer all over him. So he covered oh my God. the bronze ram with hand sanitizer. <laughs> and now it's making its way down the ram yep. and onto the rock and then the floor. Oh, my God. The wax is peeling up on the floor from the alcohol that's in the hand sanitizer. I don't know what it's done to the bronze. Yep. And then the, and then the rock, it's probably stained for life, but. We're going to call it the COVID ram now. And the, the ram is safe, but the rock might not make it. Oh, my God. Well, so it, I, I applaud him for his effort. And, he, you know, he was thinking sanitizer makes the cleaning. The kids are always touching the ram. Put the two of them together. Let's sanitize the ram. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, I, can see, I can see his thought process. 
I'll tell you what. Um, well, you gotta, you gotta have a thought process and you also like, you're constantly always thinking like, did I do the right thing? Did I wash this? Did I wash that? And I, I was, I told you I was at a town meeting and I got up and spoke on Monday. Um, and they were saying how they had, they had a, a, a table with wipes and hand sanitizer. And I've never had to do that when I go up and speak in front of a microphone. I don't have to do that in my office. Like, it's me, right? So I go up, and I'm thinking to myself, did the person before me wipe it down? Am I supposed to wipe it down? What do I do? And thank God, the camera that was above all of this, I get so nervous. I grab the wipe. I bring out like 16 of them. I'm trying to wipe down the (laughs) microphone. Then I go touch another part of the microphone to move it. I'm like, oh, now I got to wipe that down. Then I get done and I whack the sanitizer from my hand and it blasts all over the place. So now I'm doing this to the microphone, getting the sanitizer off, trying to wash my hands. It was a disaster because we're not used to it. You know, we're not used to doing this and we're not used to like, and and then I'm sitting here going, I'm talking through a mask. Like, why did I do all this? Nothing's getting out anyway, including my voice. So um, no, it's, this is just crazy. And and Uh, I think, I think the bottom line here for people to get back to the school things that, the bottom line is that we've got a whole bunch of really smart people out there that are helping us. Mm-hmm. A, whole, a, a large work staff, um, probably not large enough right now, but cleaning the buildings. And we're thinking way ahead on what we need to do when those students and staff come back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're not, none of this is going to open without thought and plans. Yeah. And without, like we said, vendors behind us chemicals that we need, equipment that makes it easier and faster to do what we have to do to make it safe and clean for all the staff and the kids to come back. And that's, that's the main goal. Nobody wants to see this thing go back into a surge again. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, for people that are listening and have school age kids, I don't think anybody's school department is going to open those doors without a lot of thought and planning. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, this is across the country, but I mean, Massachusetts in particular is a very, very close knit um, community as a state. Um, you're part of, and and we'll we'll wrap it up because you got to go spend some time. I'm just watching. I'm just, I'm just. I'm gonna tell you something. I've been listening to those birds chirp. Yeah. And when I'm done with this, I'm gonna go outside and I'm gonna listen to those roosters crow uh, <laughs> and make my calls for the rest of the day because it just looks like it, just a beautiful, perfect day there. Yeah, give Steve my best, man. Oh yeah, Steve. <laughs> He's got no tail. The other roosters have been beating him up. Um, it's got to come into him. But yeah. um, we've talked about this on I think a previous podcast. But you're part of an, a state association that if there are people that are in a community in Massachusetts that you want to make sure your facility director, facility staff is part of this association. They have, from what I understand, one of the most active listservs of facilities, school-based facilities managers that are asking each other questions, updating each other almost daily, if not daily. You're having monthly virtual meetings and all these different things. But it's the Mass Facilities Administrators Association, Massachusetts Facilities Administrators Association, Give a shameless plug for that real quick. Tell everybody a little bit about what that is, because I think every school district, I think you guys got just about every school district, but every school district in the state, if they aren't a member, I believe has to be a member. Right. And and we're, we're a pretty active group. Um, back when we could be in person, <laughs> we had, um, you know, five different chapters across the state. Uh, some of the smaller ones out by the Berkshires where the, uh, the air gets thin. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, we met monthly. 
we, we do a, a conference every year, a three-day conference of full of education and packed with um, all of those vendors that we, we just talked about to, to help us with things just like this. Um, and we have a, the, for the people that don't come out, we do have an active website and, and our question and answer board, our message board is constantly um, going. It, it dings every two or three times a day. If someone has a question, mm-hmm. they put it out there and there's someone else that's done it. Yep. You know, you, you never have to reinvent the wheel from a boiler spec to how do I clean for COVID? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't tell you how it's been buzzing on who's doing what. Who's got their, their staff in during the day? Who's got their staff separated day and night? Um, how many staff are you putting together? Who's, who's bringing their full staff back? Mm-hmm. Things like that that have gone on through this whole COVID um, time that um, is communicated through our website, um, yep. you know, all virtual. And, and so even as a member, you don't have to show up and drive to a meeting. You right. can be present. Uh, our executive director, Ken Wirtz, does a fantastic job of putting information up all over the the board on on the latest thing, the latest technology, the latest cleaning, um, all all those things. Um, it's you know it, it's worthwhile um, to to be a member and and just have some place to go. And and if nothing else, it's good therapy to talk to talk to the other people in the industry that are doing your job and know that you're not alone. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, are you taking on new new consulting work? Or are you pretty pretty set with where you're at what is your um, what does your retirement life look like um at the interim job i'm doing now in uh in northbridge we've got uh, three finalists for the permanent job so i'll do a little crossover with them but um yeah i'm ready to, I'm, I'm starting to look forward to uh the next challenge um and, and see what what comes up so somebody's interested in having you uh interim consult do whatever how do they get a hold of you where do they go email phone um, got a website any of that stuff I, I don't have a website you can look me up on linkedin it's paul anastasi or email me at pnastasi10 at gmail.com yep. um and or right through the mfa website if someone goes to the mass facilities administrator's website my information's there or there's phone numbers to get in touch with people there and most people We'll, uh, we'll know who I am and, and how to get a hold of me. So my, my yeah. wife has been retired before me and she wants me out of the house. So please <laughs> help my marriage and she, keep me working. She, she wants to enjoy her retirement by putting you back, getting you back to work. Totally right. get it. Yeah, I get it. That's she, kind she, of, said, she said, where did you come from? It was nice yeah. and quiet in this house until, <laughs> until you retired. Yeah, I've been home for like uh, 100 and... I don't know. It's over a hundred days, like 105, 107 days. And, uh, which is the longest I've been home since 2002, um, for any set straight, you know, straight line of time consistent. Um, I've only worn pants with a belt once. Uh, that was for the town <laughs> meeting on Monday. So I have that going for me, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Amy's like, I just got, got any place to go. Can you give somebody a free speech somewhere instead of doing it in the basement? Yeah, you um, end up traveling three weeks a month to, to yeah, uh, yeah. constantly. Yeah. She must be crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm literally doing virtual keynotes um, in in the basement now. I was doing it in the garage, but it got too hot. I didn't think that one through. Yeah. Um, did did one two weeks ago, and I'm I'm just sweating bullets. I had to, I wore a hat and everything. I just didn't care um, because I thought I was actually going to have like heat stroke. So um, moved moving everything down to the basement. So. Um, and chance in, in case you didn't hear, you get birds chirping. I get chance running like a lunatic down the hallway, just yelling. Cause of my, my, uh, 
showing that I was speaking when you were talking. I, I thought it was one of the roosters. I heard it, but no, I no, 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 yeah, no. That's <laughs> chance. Oh yeah, Good he runs. Him. He runs full steam down the hall, and he doesn't stop until he hits the wall. Yeah, he's, well, le- he's a legit linebacker. He's you just, know what they say: apple trees grow apples. Right? <laughs> when they fall, they don't fall far. Pe- pe- peach, tre- peach trees do the same. That's right. You can't get, you can't get by me with that one. I, I know no, where he gets it. No, well, listen, Paul, I I can't thank you. Uh, you know, as I always say, most importantly for our friendship, I value that more than anything. First and foremost, um, you're you're uh, you're just you're just you're a great friend and. Um, I appreciate you making the time while you're up on vacation, getting ready for the family to come up um, to, to help me with educating uh, my listeners with what's going on, what's been, what's happened, what's going on and what to be prepared for, as well as for us to think about, you know, all of the worry and everything that's going on in the news and all the discussions and everything. I think it's important for the world to know that there's amazing people like you that are on the front lines of schools every day to make sure that these schools are as healthy and as safe and as equipped for reoccupying and you're thinking through every different little scenario and detail um, and getting yourself prepared for the what ifs. I think that this whole thing is going to give a playbook for the future of what if this happens? Like, you know, there's not much, there's not much else we can come up with that would be a scenario different that, that would, that would exceed this. Right. And we did it. we we're on the other side. We're on the other side of it for now. We don't know what the next thing is, but I think we're more equipped now than ever to tackle just about anything. And uh, I really appreciate you giving your insight and uh, our inventions. Like, I mean, we should just sit down and just come up with a whole bunch of inventions and just Google Google search and see if the germ ninjas come out. Because I mean, something's going to click sooner or later. Yeah. Well, I was going to call it the COVID ninja, COVID killer ninja, or something like that. Now I can't. Now I can't do it. But. uh, no, really appreciate you, my friend. Uh, go enjoy your vacation, and uh, I'm sure we'll do another podcast because these are always fun. This is great. Always good to be talking to you, Josh. Take you care. Too, you too, my friend. And that will do it for this episode of the Be Awesome podcast. This has been uh, the, the the most wild, crazy, uh, inspirational, um, sad, difficult, challenging time of probably all of our lives. I know for me, I wake up some days and I just go, I don't know how we're going to get through today. And then I realized that we got through yesterday and it was pretty damn bad. Um, This is, as I keep telling people, this is what's known as the disillusionment phase of the six phases of disaster. This is the crash phase. This is when we're worst to ourselves and worst to others around us. And all we got to do is keep reminding ourselves to be good to one another. And the, and the uh, phase six is going to come. It takes a while, but it's the rebuild phase. That's hopefully going to get us excited again and, and looking to the future and, and opportunity. And uh, we don't need to talk about new normal. It's, it's never, it's never going to be normal. Nothing's ever going to be normal in life. Kids, if you got kids, they'll be the first to remind you that there is nothing normal about your life. Because like I said, Chance was just trucking down the hallway and I'm pretty sure that he shoulder blocked something hard. So, um, but that will do it for this episode. As I always close out with every episode, ratings, reviews, shares, comments, anything you can do to help promote Be Awesome and the Be Awesome podcast. I greatly appreciate it. If I'm doing a great job, go on to iTunes podcast, give me five stars, tell the world what you think. If I'm not, send me an email, josh at Be Awesome, B-E-A-U-S-M. Let's talk it out um, and, and see what I can do better so that I can earn that five-star rating because that's what I want. I want to be five stars for as many people as I can be. I know I'm not a fit for everyone, 
but I do want to try to be a fit for anyone as long as I get the opportunity. So in the meantime, if you can be anything, be awesome, hang in there and have a great day.